act without imposing your belief upon them. The society says, I want you to come up with whatever you think masculinity is. You deal with that all within yourself, and you can live that, but you can't impose that upon anybody else. It's interesting that they would expect that of us when they say that if a man decides that he is going to be homosexual, and that's what he wants to do, and that person should live within that context without imposing that upon anybody else, but yet when they fill out a job application, you are not able to withhold them the right for a job based on the fact that this man may be dressed like a woman working at the counter of your store. Well, it's backwards then, because that is absolutely pushing what they want to be and their ideal of masculinity That's into right. my life, and it affects me that way. That's, right. That's not what they're saying. They're not saying that. They're saying that for Christians and people that want to say the Bible is the source, yeah. you do your thing with masculinity, keep it to yourself, right. but the rest of the world can do whatever they want. That's what they want to see happen. What does the Bible say about personal opinion? There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. All day long you can look at it. And you're going to see how they seem right to a man. You're going to make yourself feel good when you make decisions and choices because it will benefit you momentarily. It's easy to do that. The whole world does that. But when it comes down to the end, if we don't measure up to what God expected of us, if we're not hitting the mark of what he said, doesn't matter what anyone else said, what he said, the end there are other ways of death. What do you expect when you disconnect your life from the giver of life? So we say we want to live our lives as freely as we can, but yet the one that created us and gave us life, we don't look to at all for an answer in what we're supposed to do. Bad place to be. Today's society is suffering a great and unfortunate loss over the significance of gender. So much that it's acceptable in today's culture to even deny one's gender and try to switch to another. Some people, once again, are going to say, no big deal. You decide what you want to be. You figure this out. But the Bible does not teach that. The Bible teaches strongly on the significance of the separation of gender, of a man being a man and a woman being a woman. We've had two, three now, fantastic lessons on what a woman is supposed to be, on how God has defined a woman. Now we're going to get the other side of that with myself teaching, and then Brother Bark is coming back in two weeks to do a second session on uh, Christian masculinity. And we're going to hopefully walk away from this having a good understanding of saying that, okay, as a man, I know what I've got to do. Yeah. As a man, I've looked at it, and I've looked at what's been taught. I'm looking at the Word of God, and I don't quite measure up. Well, then all you got to do is put in effort. Yeah. All you got to do is work at it. Become what God has called you to be because he never set a bar for you in your life that's unobtainable. When we look at women and you say, man, that's crazy. Brother Kilman taught about makeup and about jewelry and about, you know, how could any woman ever go that far? How could any woman ever get up and not put the makeup on and just cuff her and cake her face? And, but God did not set a bar that's unreachable. So when the Bible says, I want you to be this, then you know absolutely, you can be assured 100% that with his strength, you can be that. And so when he defines a man, we know for a fact that we can become men that fit that. And when I was doing this lesson, I looked to my wife and I said, you know what? We have more trouble in the world today with men fitting the image of what God calls a man to 
and we do women. And people look at women, and that's the highlight of everything. And we look at that, but man, when we start defining what God expects of a man, you'll see that in this world it is failing. Men are not stepping up. Men are not doing what they are created to do. The Webster's definition of masculine. It's a very accurate picture of how disturbed the times we live in. It says, a myth. B, having qualities appropriate to or usually associated with a man. How broad is that? <laughs> it doesn't get any broader than that. There's man, okay. You figure out what the male qualities are that are usually associated with a man. You watch television for just a short period of time. You go to the mall for a short period of time. You get out in public for just a short period of time, and you will see that there is no clear definition in society of what is usually associated with a man. So now we're going to look at four characteristics of a man that God would have us to be. Leader. Lover. 1 Corinthians 13. Protector. And provider. Now there can be a whole lot more than what we're going to go through here, but 45 minutes, I've crammed as much information as I can into this lesson. Characteristics of a man. First, we have the leader. Adam was to care for the garden. He was to oversee it. When he was created, he had a job to take care of it. It was up to him. He also had dominion over and named the animals in Genesis. These were what he was given to do before Eve came on the scene. God made it clear Eve was to assist him in the work he was given to do. She was to be his helper. God did not say, Eve, you take this half, and Adam, you take the other. They were to work together to accomplish the tasks that was given to Adam in the beginning. So when Eve came on the scene, everything that was relevant to his life was washed away. He still had to take care of the garden. He still had to do the things he needed to do. And now he had a helper to make it possible. Adam was to lead. Eve was to help and follow. Husbands are instructed to be the head in the marriage relationship. And women are commanded to submit to the husband's leadership and to respect his role given to him by God. There was two roles assigned. One was to lead, one was to help. And we're going to get into more what leading is and what helping was as we go through the lesson. But the husband, the man, was designed to lead. And this does not speak negative in any way of woman's equality to a man. But when we're looking at this, you've got to make sure that we understand that God gave this role to the man, and he gave this role to the woman. So no stress about that at all, right? Because when we read the Bible in other areas, we say, okay, when God says it, we do it. So now when we look at male and female, husband and wife, let's look at that the same way, the way we always have, the correct way. We don't want to confuse being created equal with being created the same. Women and men are completely different. Their, their insides are different. Their, their, their outsides are different. Everything about them has some difference to it. Yet they're still equally as important and loved and cared for by God as each other. But they are not exactly the same. Here's the trouble we find ourselves in today's society. Many women find prideful satisfaction in leading 
their husbands, I should say. They're missing far more pure and holy satisfaction that is found only in fulfilling the roles God has given has given her. Man, I gotta tell you, you are making a tragic mistake when you move into the covenant of, of marriage with your wife and you assume that love has something to do with stepping back and giving full reign and control to the wife. Now, leadership is not just given the, the final word. Leadership is also being the first one to take the blow. Leadership is being there for your wife to provide and protect, which are things we're going to see. But a man is to lead in the home. You look at uh, John and where Jesus talked about leading. People wanted to be leaders, okay? You wanted to be in control, fine. And he used the example of him washing the feet of the disciples. He was the master. They acknowledged he was Lord and master. And he gave examples to show how he was Lord and master, that he would wash their feet. And so now for them to go on, they must act in that same way of love. So when they want to leave, what are they doing? They're serving. So men also get this mixed up idea that when I'm going to lead and I'm going to be the leader of the house, I'm going to pound things out. You're going to do exactly what I say. I'm going to call the shots. You're not going to have a word in anything. View. God does want you to lead. And when it comes down to making a final decision, you probably have that right to make that decision. And your wife will follow you because she has been called to be your helper. But her advice matters. Her counsel matters. What she thinks matters. We don't rule them as slaves. We love them as Christ loved the church and gave himself for the church. That was a sacrifice. Leading in that aspect Share everything about the pain, the hurt. You know, here's an example. You go into the store. I hate this. I was at baby's. baby's where does the used baby go? What's that called? Once Upon a Child, my wife's favorite store. <laughs> she dragged me in there a few weeks ago. We're looking for stuff for our daughter. And I see this woman. The husband's there. And the woman's having to negotiate with the, the, the clerk on trying to sell her item on consignment through their store. And she was so uncomfortable, and she was just not feeling, you could tell from the moment she opened her mouth, she didn't know what to say, she didn't want to be there. Um, the way she walked away and went back to her husband, and, and the looks on faces and everything just let you know clearly that she had probably begged him to do this. Please, you go up and talk, you go up and negotiate, don't make me do it. There's a good place to serve and lead. Okay, I don't want you to be embarrassed. I don't want you to have to deal with embarrassment of negotiate $40 out of a college kid on the first day of school. So, <laughs> so I'll go up there, hon, and I'll do it. I'm going to be the one to talk to them. I'll do the negotiation because this could be embarrassing. You don't feel comfortable with it. I'm the leader and the servant. I'm going to do that. But if men would be more consistent in living out these role qualities, then we would not be so inclined to strive toward counterfeit expression. Masculine. See, when we pull ourselves away from the word and the truth, and we don't even acknowledge it to dig deep enough to figure out what he's calling us to be, well, then we're going to be swayed by everything we see in society. And you know, you don't even, you want to respect your leaders, you want to respect uh, people in authority over you, you want to be able to, to look to them and hopefully judge and, and guide your life from what they're doing. 
what people can say. So if all you're doing is looking to a pastor, if all you're doing is looking to your dad, if all you're doing is looking to other males in, uh, that are successful in living for God and saying, I want to model just like that, be careful. Because there may come a time when they stray. There may come a time when they fail. There may come a time when they're not adding up to what God wants them to be. And if all you're judging your life off of is from that, then you're going to And you're not going to So while we do want to mimic those ahead of us, that are being faithful, if you just get in the word of God and you just look for what he's calling you to be, looking for how he's defining the man, you're going to be in a very safe place because that's never going to come. He's never going to let you down. The word's never going to fail. So you'll always have a source to go back to and say, am I doing this? Six years into my marriage, I can still go to the word of God and say, am I adding up to this? Am I making this? Am I shoveling the driveway? <laughs> Any in any endeavor, there must be an alternative. Brother Sleeva told me this a long time ago. Anything with more than one head is not. Not natural, it doesn't work, it can't. So there is one head, one leader, one that follows. Man is to be that leader in the home. If you are dating a woman who you can already tell is not going to accept this role as being your helper and allowing you to lead. You need to move on. Don't find yourself stuck in a situation with a woman who says, I'm going to be in control. I'm going to lead. And you know what? Most of the time, when a woman gets that attitude and that spirit in her, it's not the I'm going to lead and serve attitude. It's not the biblical leadership role that the man was supposed to have in the home. It's the role that says, I'm going to be the boss. You're going to do what I say. You're going to cook. You're going to clean. You're going to take out the trash. You're going to do this. You're not going to hang out with your friends. You're not going to be able to do this. We're not, 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 no, no. Pastor didn't mean that. This is what he meant. And that's just get away from it. So as I'm telling you now, I'm telling you now you run from a woman who would be like that in your life. You need to teach young men of this role that they ought to fulfill. It's because we fail to put emphasis on biblical masculinity that our young men end up in a ditch. Because nobody's teaching, nobody's presenting it to them. They embrace humility without boldness and become effeminate. Or they embrace boldness without humility, which is destructive. Now, when I was reading this definition of where MacArthur thought we were going as a, as a generation of young men, it was exactly what I thought. I, how many Bible college students? I was in Bible college, and when I was in Bible college, if you looked at those that were there for the wrong reasons, you found one of these qualities in them. They were either effeminate, they act like a woman, they were soft, they were a sissy, they were being everything that a man was not designed to be, or they were just crazy bold with no humility, and they would break every rule, they had no, uh, no uh, love for authority, they didn't respect authority, they stayed out breaking curfew, they knew there was no movies to be allowed, they had videos in their rooms, and those people just broke every rule. But you found them in one of these niches. And these are the two areas we find men all throughout our society, our world, and our churches. When they are not being taught what the Bible says is masculine. Effeminate means having traits, tastes, habits, traditionally considered feminine. A softness or delicacy, which went on to really say 
an extra amount of softness or an extra amount of delicacy. People right. find themselves in this place struggling. You know, this year so far in the last few months, I've heard some of the strongest and most anointed preaching concerning this issue here. Dealing with young men, not just in their teens, but in their 20s and their 30s, being lost somewhere in between, not able to grasp what God has called them to be, and so they're looking to every other area to find it. That's right. Listen, when Brother Pettigrew talked the first Sunday after New Year's, yeah, yeah. And he dealt with the issue of holiday youth convention, and he said that these men that were coming, you know what he did? First off, he started out and praised everything about it. He was not going negative on holiday youth convention. So let me make that clear so I'm not taking the wrong way. But he said, when I looked at these other areas that were going on there, this is what we saw. We saw young men coming in with their skinny pants. We saw young men lifting their hands and their shirts barely made it down to cover their navel. We saw young men with their pretty scars and their, their lisp and their attitude and the way that they talked. And he talked about that. And when he preached against that upstairs, the church should have erupted. Failed to erupt by far failed to erupt. It's a very, very strong issue being dealt with there, and it comes across so strong because so many of our young people, so many of our men, so many of our men are confused in this area. You know, I was out on work the other day, and I was calling on a... Sorry, no, I'm I was at work the other day, and I was out at a facility. And when I was at the facility, I saw a young man that goes to Calvary Tabernacle. I met that young man, shaked his hand, introduced him to my boss. We had a conversation for just a few minutes. When we walked away from that conversation, my boss looked me in the face and asked me if that young man was gay. Why? Why? Yes, the signals are there. Man, and if I, Lord, if I had any more details to describe them, I just can't. I can't go any further. But no, this is not just a person that was sitting on our pews. Okay? Talking with a lisp like he's homosexual. Right. Not even close to defining what a man is. Somebody that cares about me, that knows where I go to church, asks the question, is he gay? I pray that all across this country, pastors, would preach like our pastor preached to us not long ago. Our young men need to know this. They need to live this. They need to be this. And, and you know what is scary? What's extremely scary is they pastor preached so hard, the Holy Ghost moved in such a powerful way on this church when he was dealing with these issues. Yeah. And the very next service, People walked in like they hadn't been changed. Right. Like nothing got a hold of them. Yeah. Like they got to pick still what was a man. Hearts that are hardening in our men are holding us back from being what God has called us to be. Right. You can't do that. Open yourself up to what God is asking of you. Right. He will make a way for you to become that. Characteristics of a man, number two, lover. Adam and Eve were given together as marital companions. The intention for marriage is further made clear later in Scripture, in Malachi 2.14. In the New Testament, husband singled out as needing to exemplify the kind of sacrificial love Christ has for the church. It says, husbands, love your wives. 
even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. That last little blip, Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. You see, marriage is falling apart everywhere. It's not all the man's fault. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that when you enter into that covenant, men, that is serious. Your love for them should be deep enough, deep like the love Christ has for the church. Like that love that pulled you out of the dirt you came from. Like that love that saved your soul from the burning hell that you were destined to go to. That kind of love, that deep and that intimate of a love should be for your spouse. You should care about her in that way. And nothing less will do. Husbands, love your wife. How do I how do I be a real man in my marriage? Love your wife like you love Christ commanded the men he left behind to love and serve one another. He said, You call me master and Lord, and you are well, you say well, for I am so. If I then your Lord and Master have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done for you. So it's not just the love for your spouse, men. It's the love for people around you. It's the love that cares when somebody's hurt. The love that steps in when somebody's afflicted, when somebody has a need. The natural outworking of the roles of leader and lover produces the role of protector. God is supreme leader and lover has made a commitment to protect us, to protect believers. But the Lord is faithful. Who should establish you? Keep you. He establishes you and keeps you from evil to protect you. A man must make the same commitment to protect his wife, children, and his church. People get a great misunderstanding when they say that when they say that I would never take a step towards hurting, restraining, fighting with anybody. Tell you, I feel super strong about that. Super strong about that. I would never own a gun. Don't want a gun. Don't need a gun. Nothing's wrong with men owning guns. Let them do their thing. But for me, I don't want it. Just to give you an example, though, I fall all the way on the other side when it comes to the thought about this. I never want to hurt anybody. I never want to put a hand on another person to harm them as long as I live. But let somebody come in my home or let me be present when somebody tries to attack my wife or my child. You, for that matter, let me be present when somebody tries to attack and harm one of you, for that matter. And I will do everything I can to protect. And I don't want anything to do with all that nonsense. I would much rather run if it was just me and somebody blasted me in the head. I would run. You be the man you think you need to be in fight. I'm running. <laughs> I don't want to fight. A man must be. Men are to protect women and children. The Old Testament men made up the army of Israel. Protect cities, women, children. Oh, honey, I don't want to deal with the landlord. He's out there. We're behind that door right now. And you send your wife out there. <laughs> the men have to do this. You go. You protect. You fight. You secure us a place where we can live. You make this happen. You are the man defined by God 
was always chosen to protect the women and the children. Men are to protect the faith. 1 Corinthians 16, 13, God commanded the brethren of that church to protect the faith. He says it this way. You should read this. It uses a different word, but look up the word and it'll take you right back to act like men. Act like men and be strong. Keep the faith, protect the faith, and act like men. Be strong. This is coming right back to me. Remember we said in the beginning, this is not pointing at anybody. This is directing us as men how we should go. So we need to be strong. We need to keep the faith. We need to protect the faith. Paul says in 1 Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and hath professed a good profession before many witnesses. When you are faithful to live in this, you're not faithful to live in this, you're going to fall on the other side. But when you're faithful as a man to living in obedience to the word of God, you are protecting the faith. You are fighting for the faith. You are making sure that there is a light somewhere to be seen. So when it comes to the first aspect of being a man, it's protecting the faith. It's making sure that you don't let this get away. You don't. You hold on to it. You protect it. 2 Timothy 2.2, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Men, we keep this in our hearts. We teach other men. And we teach those men to teach men outside of them. That is how we protect it. That's right. We're going to keep this faith. So when you get this little feeling in you that says, I'm just too busy. I just, I just, gosh, I work 36 hours a week. I just, I'm family. I can't do it. I'm not going to do no Bible study time. Call so and so and tell them to come here. Be a man. Be a man. Teach this word. Teach it so somebody else can see. We lose this word. We don't just lose our men being men. We lose everything about who we are. That's right. Teach faithful men. But I have fought a good fight, and I have finished my course. I this was a second piece right here that Pastor dealt with when he was preaching this. He mentioned men, young men coming into pulpits and taking over churches that have been built on the faith, built on the truth, that have stood for righteousness and holiness and that have forsaken everything else to make sure the word of God goes out right, goes out sound. And then we bring young men when they retire and put them behind pulpits and they have no desire to follow holiness, no desire to stick to righteousness, no desire to do the things that are godly, to preach the way that the elders before them preach. Men, we have a problem when we're in that area. Don't destroy what people have built for the kingdom of God. True men are going to preach this word exactly the way it's supposed to be preached. We're going to live it to the best of our ability. And when we falter, we will get up and we will continue as if we never fell. We will make our heart right to please God. That's what we will do, man. That's us. That's who we are. We don't tear down other things. And you know what? We need to pray that God gives courage to people all across this country. That when it comes time to pass their church down, it doesn't matter how much they love their son or their uh, daughter's husband or their nephew, if he's not going to preach the truth, you find somebody else to take the pulpit. You don't put anybody in that position. Be a man who will stand and be a man. 
and to represent the word of God rightfully so. Characteristics of the protector. Christ protected disciples who he loved and led. So while I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me, I have kept. None of them is lost, but the son of perdition, that the scripture may be fulfilled. He also expected all the church leaders to protect the body of Christ. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves, to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers, to feed the church of God, which he has purchased with his blood. Protect, protect the flock. Being mainly involves protecting. Qualities a man must possess before he can be a good protector, and this is just a few, are courage, boldness, spiritual strength or maturity, and watchfulness. You allow these characteristics to be a part of your life, these qualities, to gauge you. You have a place of success in following God's word. But men, in the same note, in the same breath, we are missing some of these. Let's not get upset because we've lacked. Let's not be discouraged because we haven't got there yet, but let's get there. Let's make it to a place of courage, a place of boldness, spiritual strength, and watchfulness. Let's be what we're supposed to be because the end of days has not come yet. And as long as we have breath, we can still make it and aim for this point. The roles of a leader and lover automatically encompass the ideal of provision. God is the one who leads and loves, also provides for every true need. The young lions do lack and suffer, they hunger. But they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. In the New Testament, husbands and fathers are specifically given the role of providers. Ephesians 5, 29. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, even as the Lord church. We are to provide. Men, we are to be the provider. What's that mean? Ladies, when your husband wants to be a stay-at-home dad, he doesn't want to get a job and he doesn't want to work. No problem. Men. Man. To provide, we've got to work. We've got to work hard. Laziness does not fit in this equation. God has said that you are to be strong. You are to be the provider for your family. Man, how could we even look in the eyes of our wife or our children or those who are depending on us and know that we have not given it our best to provide for them? God is saying you will be fulfilled in being the provider for them. Fear the meaning of Leaders of God's people are given this role as well. It says this in Ezekiel. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God unto the shepherds, Woe be to the shepherds of Israel that do feed themselves. Yeah. Should not the shepherds feed the flock? Did eat the fat, and ye clothe ye with the wool? Ye kill them that are fed, but ye feed not the flock. 
the diseased, have ye not strengthened, neither have you healed that which was sick, neither have you bound up that which was broken, neither have you brought again that which was driven away, neither have you sought that which was lost, but with force and with cruelty have you ruled them. He is saying that we need to be providers for those things around us that are in need. It's not just about you. It's not just about us, men. We don't make this thing about us to where as long as we're satisfied, as long as we're fulfilled, then everything else is okay. But we have to take on the role of a man and be the provider for not just our families, but everybody God will put in our path that he would put underneath us to care for. Men should seek to meet the true needs of those whom God has placed in their care, their physical and their spiritual needs. God puts people in the care of men and trusts you, us, to make this happen. Us to do this. Matthew says this, For I was hungered, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came unto me. Jesus was saying to them that I care so much about you being a provider for people that when you provide for them, it's as if you're providing for me. That's how much this matters to him. So next time we roll over and hit the snooze button and say, I'm not going to work today. I just don't need the money to provide. I don't need to do this. It's not necessary. Think about what Christ said. Think about how he said unto us that it's so important that if you will provide for them, when it comes, they didn't even understand it. They asked them, when did we do these things? And we did it unto the least. We need to be providers for everyone God wants. I know it gets weird. It gets hard when God puts a young man in your path. He's asked you to minister to him. He's asked you to train him up. He's asked you to teach this young man to be there for him, to help him, to guide him. It's so easy for us men just to say, you know what? I don't have time for that. I don't have time for that. What if he would have said, I don't have time for the cross? I don't have time to sacrifice and provide for them in that way. Do this, a real man will abound in characteristics of diligence, personal involvement, serving him. He will also do all that he can to acquire a good job that allows him to care well for those he must love. Somebody says, well, you know, i got to stay home because my wife will make five times more than me. Well, yeah, she will. Because when she went to school, she did her homework. <laughs> when she did, she tried. She graduated, and she made it somewhere. While you were flunking out, she was working on fulfilling your role. <laughs> so men, do everything we can to get to a place where we can acquire If you're not downing anybody with that job, but work hard. God will bless you with a position right. that will make you the provider. That's right. There are many sins that will keep a man from possessing his qualities and fulfilling his God-given role. Some of these are fear of men, fear of man. Self-pity. I've, I've never succeeded. I'm never going to succeed. Pride. Oh, I'm too good for that. Too good for that. Laziness. How are you ever going to get anywhere being lazy? Selfishness. It's all about you. It's not going to work. Idolatry. Money. Possessions. Success. And this one I love. One's life. We already touched on it before, but man, the greatest decision, in my opinion, you will make outside of Christ as your Lord and Savior is who you will marry. Who you will marry will destroy you or it will make you. It will take everything from you or it will give you everything that you need. But when you make that decision, you make it right. You do it prayerfully. I've, I've 
Me and my wife, I don't know what her list must have been pathetic because she just said she got everything on her list. But, man, set a higher standard for yourself, ladies. But make you a list, man, of what you expect her to be. I had a list of exactly what I expected her to be. All the way down, all the way down to some characteristics that she doesn't want to be known. But I had it all the way narrowed down that yeah. this is what my wife was going to be. And I went two and a half years at IBC, Indiana Bridal College. That's right. I didn't date. I didn't talk to any girls in that respect. I stayed distant. I watched from a distance. Man, listen, you don't need a girlfriend all the time. Watch from a distance, and you will see what that woman is about. When she meets what you see from a distance, then you talk to her. Then you can make the next step and see how things are going to work out. But you've got to know that when you choose her, that's it. Everything. Don't let that be a bad decision. Don't make it quickly. Be sure. So what does it mean to be a real man? It means not to trust in one's own judgment about masculinity. That's right. Instead, cling to the fact that there are absolutes outlined God. Now we have a definition that MacArthur thinks is more suitable than Webster. Masculinity. The possession and pursuit of redeemed perspective and character. Enhanced by qualities consistent with the distinguishing male roles of leading, loving, protecting, and providing. All the Lord, I just ask you, God, Continue to hold on to the hearts of these men. You shape us and you guide us in the way we should be. Help us not to be afraid, God. You didn't set it too far or too high. You set it exactly where it's reachable. Help us, God, just to be faithful in pursuing what you have called men to do. God bless you.